wherever you are and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Don't worry, we're going to help. The only way we know how with 90 minutes of gaming goodness streaming directly into your ear holes because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week quip quip is bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games and there are many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i'm joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy who represents the rise of the spice talker Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Oh, I get it. Well, you know, um, yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> See? I, 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 I did there with the, the, the rise of the Skywalker. I mean, I, I see what you did. It, it, good job, Jeff. Is that? <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. That's what I always constantly need from everyone. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, we got star Wars to talk about this week. Um, it's, it, we got star Wars celebration was happening and that, means there's Star Wars video game news to talk about. We got big games to talk about. There's so much to talk about. But the good news is we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because DLC stands for Digital League Commentator because we have video game journalist, film critic, and writer, and also Overwatch League enthusiast, Sophia Harris joining us for the first time. Hey, Sophia. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I am very well. Grateful to be alive. It's exciting times. Yeah. Yes, it is indeed. I mean, we're recording a little early because Game of Thrones is premiering. It's just it's just good geek days. These are good. We got Star Wars. We got Game of Thrones. Good geek days. I wish I watched Game of Thrones. <gasps> You're not a... Neither are you or Christian. I'm really one in three. That's a weird ratio for that show, but I'll take it. I'll be the only one uh, watching tonight. Uh, guys. And gals, let's uh, let's get right into the show because, my goodness, we got a lot to talk about. Start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com or by sending us an email at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Sophia, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Ooh, the pressure is on. Well, I know we talk a lot about Star Wars, and I got the feeling we're going to go into it regardless of what story I decide to pick. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk about, well, we talked about Overwatch in the beginning, your beautiful introduction. Uh, I want to talk about something that's been happening in the Overwatch League, mm. which is that of uh, players quitting because of mental health issues. So we're going straight into something very serious. Well, that's dark. okay. I but think it's know, a, yeah, I think it's a very worthwhile topic for sure, and one that is very concerning. I think it has ramifications not just in Overwatch, but in all esports and really in all sort of online jobs you know the internet demands the internet demands esports demand and it sounds like it's an unhealthy situation for a lot of these players right 
Yeah, I mean, it's sort of what we've heard in terms of like crunch in like the video game industry as a whole. Yeah. So there were several players who left like the past two weeks, like a, a, a lot, like a good amount of players, even players who have just been there for like a month. And a lot of them it was because they felt like they needed to, you know, it was homesickness or, you know, they felt like they couldn't handle the workload. And, you know, that is very sad. I mean, these kids are, you know, 18 to 20 years old on average. Yeah. And to imagine them traveling from across the world, you come here, you work eight, 10 hours a day, you have several matches, like last season had several matches every week. And, you know, it's, you know, several players last season, they, you know, players like Pine and Gesture, they had to like take a break and they talked about, you know, struggling, you know, with the workload and, and just not feeling well. And, it's so sad to see people who love what they do, but then have just, you know, these kinds of issues happen, especially in such a young, um, young industry. Right. And, yeah. you know, it's, and I think it's important to talk about. It's nice that we're starting to talk about it because yes, you mentioned, this is something that is happening across video games as a whole industry with crunch yeah. and with workloads. And so you know, it's kind of nice that they've started a conversation about it, but I mean, we, it's, you know, we still have a long way to go and, you know, yeah, it was sad to see both uh, players and staffers leave the past two weeks. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because uh, I think you're right to mention a, a crossover with crunch for game developers. I think there is a crossover also with uh, uh, streamers, you know, who often feel the pressure to be streaming every hour that they're awake and to do long hours and not take days off this kind of lifestyle. And, and from the outside, you look at it and go, Oh my gosh, you get to play video games for a living. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems to not be all roses and, and lollipops. And I think that's something that is very useful for young people to be aware of, but it's an interesting thing. I, be, I think because we have real, not real, that's the wrong word I want to use. Uh, <laughs> traditional sports, to, to compare to where kids of very similar ages right out of high school and college, you know, go to basketball camp, get, uh, get uh, drafted by the NBA or the NFL or MLB and have just as much or more pressure on them and are ripped away from their, the environment that they feel most comfortable in, move to strange cities, have intense things. This, I think, is more a traditional part of our culture that we don't really question anymore. But because it's happening in esports, it seems new. It seems different. Do you think that there's a distinction between it happening in esports and happening in more traditional sports? Uh, well, I mean, I think the the pressure might be different. I mean, while you know a lot of these players become you know celebrities in their own way in their own little you know niche group or niche game, I think you know in terms of traditional sports, of course, there's crunch, of course, there is, you know, hard work and dedication, but I think there might still be, you know, some space for, you know, taking a break and taking care of yourself. I know that my brother, he, um, he got a soccer scholarship. So he went to university for that. And I know that even though he worked incredibly hard, there was still some space like it, it's, it's kind of like, they were prepared for what they went into. Because so many people have done it before them. And I think with esports, it's such a new thing that how can you prepare people for something when even the people working at it doesn't don't really know, you know, where it's gonna go. Yeah. Right? Like like it's it's so hard to predict 
everything that's going to happen. Um, and it's funny with streaming too, because like one of the players from Atlanta, Rain Fran, he actually left and said he wanted to go back to streaming because he felt more comfortable. And mm. so that is the crazy thing to think about. Like here is your dream job yeah. that you worked so hard for. He came there for a month and he realized I, I'm going back. Like I'm going back. Well, that seems to me to point to the pressure of competition and the need, the need to win, win, win. I mean, when you're streaming, you, you want to win, but uh, I, I think there's a whole level uh, of difference between, you know, playing to entertain an audience and playing to compete on a professional level for a team that expects you to win, to make them money. Um, so I can totally understand that. And I think you make good points that there is sort of already a structure in place for traditional sports where kids are brought up, you know, in a peewee system and, and sort of groomed to be professionals. And, and I think there's just, it, it just is more part of our culture. And I, I would expect that esports, as you said, are, are young enough as a profession to it, it feel a little bit like winning the lottery and things changing overnight, going from being an amateur to a professional. Christian, what do you, what's your take on all this? I expect you have some strong feelings. Well, um, I, I agree with a lot of what you both said already. And I think to the stuff about traditional sport being established, um, I know when I ran and I haven't checked up on NCAA rules, but I think it's still the case. There is actually a limit on the amount of time you are allowed to practice. Yes, teams violate that. And sometimes those violations are, you know, enforced. Those rules are enforced by the NCAA. But generally speaking, I, I forget what it is, like 40 hours of practice a week or whatever. Um, you're not allowed to have team practice until X time over the summer. So there are rules in place to try to both protect, protect the academic experience and also athletes bodies. Cause how much can you subject them to? And I think another part of it is this idea that rightly or wrongly, there is the idea that traditional sport is healthy and you're outside, you're running around, you're kicking a ball around, you're getting muscle, you know, whatever it is, even if football is concussing you a million times and the carrying that much muscle mass on your body for another sport is actually detrimental to your long-term health, whatever. But that is perceived as healthy and, um, you know, godlike chiseled bodies, the ESPN sports issue with these women and men. And like, they are the peak of perfection. And then you, the stereotype of esport game, uh, athletes, you know, it's a Red Bull and Doritos or, you know, whatever it is, right. Mountain Dew and whatever. Um, so it's not perceived as like this, peak human being status. And so I think that is kind of part of the perception of how hard you work someone and whether or not we are okay with it, where it's like, if you hear the story of Jordan staying in the gym to do an extra thousand free throws and pushups and shuttle runs or whatever, you're like, wow, what a, what a man or, you know, whatever it is. And then you hear the story of some gamer who stayed up all night to get X many reps in an overwatch. You think that, that person needs to go to bed. And so there's like a, a bias associated with the two in terms of what our culture accepts as okay, good for you, and something positive. And so I think I agree with Sophia in the sense that it, it is new, so it's still the Wild West, so there aren't the protections in place that physical sport often, I don't want to call it physical sport, traditional sport often has. And then there's also the perception side of it of you shouldn't be doing that. And I think that has to creep into some of these athletes' heads where you're not you know, maybe in your niche, you're, you're held up, but in, in the society as a whole, I don't think people look at them and think like, I, I want my kid to do that. 
And I think that has to be hard. That has to be hard because they're busting their butts. Sophia, do you, you know, you, you mentioned having the conversation and I think that's, uh, I think that's the first step clearly, um, that people need to be more aware of this, especially young people, uh, as they look to and idolize these players beyond that, do you think that there are steps that should be taken to try to help these athletes to sort of ensure their mental health? Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're, there are things that are happening that they're doing that is good. Like I know some teams, like they have yoga sessions, right? Like just doing implementing stuff like that shows that, you know, there are certain teams who are taking, you know, this seriously and are trying to help their players. But I mean, it, it's such a hard thing to do. I mean, on one hand, of course, we want to encourage young gamers to go into esports, like especially women. Like I know, you know, there are being programs made for, you know, where people are going to high schools and hoping that, you know, girls get into STEM, you know, like this whole getting mm-hmm. the, like in Overwatch, we've got one female player, one, uh, and Gregory, like she is, you know, a beacon of hope to so many women that, you know, you can make it into this very male dominated industry. And, you know, we, so it's, it's that weird thing that we want to encourage, but also prepare maybe, you know, yeah. it, it is people are very young. There are very few players that are, you know, 25 and over. And, you know, I feel like coming to, you know, I've been traveling and living in different countries my entire life. But like, I don't know if I at 18 could just travel from Norway, live here and get a full time job. And, you know, after the job, I stream. So I still play the game the like entire day. You know, it's it's very hard. I feel like it's it's something where teams have to explore it a bit and and start actual like serious conversations about it. And What's scary to me is that, you know, there are plans in the future of expanding the league and having, you know, away matches and home matches, which means not only, you know, do these players have to travel across America, they might have to travel to Korea and France and England. Like, that's going to be an insane, you know, pressure. And, you know, the one thing that we have to, you know, discuss about all this is, you know, how much social media plays into it, you know? Right. Both players and staff have talked about, you know, harassment or you know if you have one bad game people are gonna talk so much about you and you know the way people talk about you it might it it feels different than a lot of you know I while while I'm not really into like traditional sports right now I used to be it and when I was younger and that it's the whole thing of like he had a bad day right oh Mm -hmm. she had a bad day he he didn't perform his best she could have done better with a lot of esports it's kind of personal you know it's like Mm. what was he thinking you know what were they doing he could never play it's such a direct thing and you know you're forced to be online this entire time so long answer short i guess um i think i think it's just teams have to to figure like play around it like it's so hard to you know say that there's a certain solution because yeah on the one hand preparing people more is probably a very good idea and you know making you know young people understand the in, the pressure that they're actually going into but i mean it's also encouraging players especially female players to do it because they are needed in the industry right. it's it's a very hard thing but i think the important thing is you know we're starting to talk about it yeah and, i agree um, when yeah. pine from new york excel 
Excelsior, he's like, you know, he was the big star, you know, of the league and he just kind of vanished and people were like, what happened? And he came back and he said, I, I couldn't do it. I had, you know, I was too stressed out and, and felt panic. And, you know, it's so, you know, when, when players start talking about that, I think it's important for the media too to continue the conversation outside of just social media and just the, the confines of Overwatch, you know, because this is something that happens everywhere, but you don't hear about it as much in other things. And so I think starting the conversation and just, you know, I think, I mean, this is a whole thing as a whole, we need to talk about mental health, you know, it's not yes. just and, sports, and, you know. Right. And how good is it that our entertainment can, can be a, a spotlight on what is a very important issue to, to have in the public eye? Mm-hmm. You know, it's great that, um, our, our hobbies can help us understand the world at large. And so it's great to have this conversation and I'm, I'm really glad you brought it up. Mm-hmm. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Uh, for me, it has to be what Amy Henning said at reboot, uh, reboot develop. Fascinating, right? Fascinating stuff. Yeah. And, and we can go through it. You can maybe, uh, hit what I miss in, in summary, but what I think is so fascinating about it is it's about my, you know, much hyped so-called future, <laughs> the streaming <laughs> future, or what is the term she calls it? She doesn't even call it the game streaming. It's, um, she used a term for it that was called, um, oh man. Real-time streaming. Yes, real-time. Real-time streaming. Yeah. It's not just gaming. It's, that was too limited. It's this idea of everything is going to be, you know, 5G and we're going to have this real-time streaming. And she kind of also connected it to the conversation that people are having right now with, um, uh, Sekiro Sh- Sh- Shadows Die Twice. Um, the right. idea of a, of a accessibility, diff- uh, yeah, accessibility and easy mode. Um, difficulty. What games should be hardcore gamer versus whatever, and and what is a gamer? Because as the internet, um, and it's happening slowly. I know some of our audience says that that streaming future can't exist for them right now, but as it continues to develop, and everyone has access to the type of speeds required for real-time streaming where what are games, what are experiences, what is interaction in that she's arguing, in my opinion, Amy was arguing that the games side of this media and entertainment needs to be thinking about this, about how to expand and be ready for that when it happens. And she's saying, she's not saying that we need to stop making competitive games or whatever, but this whole argument about what is a game needs to kind of shift to just this idea of what is awesome interactivity we can make and how can the games business be ready to capitalize on that. She alluded to how Hollywood is certainly going to try to jump in on that and make interactive experiences, but will they make the best games? And it's just this really cool talk about our future, where it can go and how to prepare for it. And it it blew me away. Yeah, it's a sprawling discussion, and uh, it, it, you know it's hard to summarize because, as you said, it, it kind of goes in lots of different places. But uh, yeah, she was at this reboot talk this last weekend or this weekend, and um, uh, I think the way I would frame it is that basically she's saying everything is changing. Uh, it's kind of what what we were saying on the show after we saw the Stadia announcement. We're at an inflection point, right? There's what's happening right now is the entire way people are going to experience interactive entertainment is going to change. And what Hennig's uh, um, thesis is, is that that change is going to result in a whole bunch of people 
playing games, for lack of a better term, in, interacting with entertainment that never used to, that never thought of themselves as what we would call a gamer or as playing video games, because things are going to be so much easier to access. And those things are going to be interactive instead of passive, that the entire industry needs to sit up and go, how are we going to own that? Rather than letting Hollywood say, hey, we can make stuff like Bandersnatch that is ostensibly a Netflix show, but also you're interacting with it, that there's going to be this blurring of the line between what is passive entertainment and what is interactive entertainment, and that less of it is going to be passive. It's all going to sort of just start blurring over into being stuff that you interact with in a variety of ways and in ways that video games haven't done yet. And she, I think, is making a case for the video game industry to make that change or to recognize that change and be ahead of it rather than sticking with making the same type of, of interactive experiences that we've made in the video game industry for 30 years and to the exclusion of a whole bunch of people and sort of stubbornly saying, well, video games behave like this. You have a controller with these buttons on it, with these sticks on it, and it behaves like this. And that's what a video game is. And if you don't like it, then you're not a gamer and we don't want to make things for you. She's saying, no, what, what we need to do is actually expand that definition and make take a hard look and, and, and an and a, a honest look at how we can create experiences for a much, much wider audience. Those traditional experiences won't go away. What we know of as games will always sort of have a place, but that there's an opportunity to actually capture a larger audience and make gaming a bigger cultural footprint than it even is now. Uh, she says, this is an and, not an instead, uh, which is sort of how she ended her discussion. Um, I find this fascinating, like like you, Christian. Uh, Sophia, what is your takeaway from Amy Hennig's uh, discussion? Uh, well, I kind of agree with what both of you said. I think it's super exciting. And, you know, a thing that I've been thinking about the past few years, you know, gaming is a very gatekept, it's a lot of gatekeeping in gaming, right? In all, in all different varieties, whether it is, whether or not, you know, you know, what is being a gamer is, is such a kind of powerful question because everybody has a different response. Everybody thinks differently about it. And sometimes, you know, there are negative ways of reacting to it. It's this sort of protection of a fandom that, you know, a lot of people who felt, you know, as outsiders or, you know, didn't feel like they had a community or a sense of belonging. They found that place. And so, you know, there is a lot of people have a fear of change, right? That is something in gaming we've seen a lot of. And I mean, I agree with her. I think change is so necessary. And I think that I love, like you said, I love that and, and not instead. I think that's such an important point to make because of, you know, a lot of people fear the introduction of people who are not into who are like who won't understand gaming quote unquote right mm -hmm. and so I, I i think it's it's a very important point to make that we have to change in order to progress i think we have to sort of open ourselves up and and do you know like she said like with hollywood versus you know uh, the gaming industry we we need to we need to change in order to keep up you know like we need to right. we need to evolve and and welcome new people 
I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because I remember, you know, back in the day when I was trying to introduce people that weren't traditional gamers to games. And, you know, it's, it's tough to get into certain games because, you know, you, what if you jump into a battlefield for the first time and everybody's so good and you feel intimidated by that? There are certain games that will give you that sense of, I don't belong here. But then, you know, there are other games or other ways of interacting that would welcome people in. And it's so important to welcome people in, you know, it's, it's important that we, we get new perspectives and get, you know, why, why wouldn't we want everybody to play games? You know, why wouldn't we? Well, I, I agree with that, obviously, but, but I think the sentiment, some people view it as a zero sum game, right? <laughs> some people view it as if, if, if we make things for other people, then you're making fewer things for me mm. and uh, you're taking something away from me if you're giving something to someone that's not me. And, and I think that's really unfortunate. And, and Christian, you brought up the Sekiro discussion that's been happening online uh, through chiefly through friend of the show and very recent guest, uh, Stephen Spawn, who basically just said, hey, maybe there should be some settings for disabled gamers in that game. And it got this outrage cry, this human cry of, of players saying, no, the difficulty is everything. And it you can't compromise the vision of the artist. And it is such BS in my opinion, because it is, it is, uh, it's just not seeing the forest for the trees, but it is that mentality of if you give something to somebody else, you take it away from me. And I think that it's false and, uh, wrongheaded. And, uh, we, as, as gamers have to realize that's, that's not, not correct. Um, here's a quote from Hennig that, uh, that I thought it was, was pretty great. She says, um, we need to think of games as experience and that doesn't require difficulty, fail states, setbacks. We get dogmatic and think if it doesn't have this, it's not a game. All these games like Fortnite and PUBG should exist. Games should be about competition and difficulty and mastery. But what happens is that makes them not accessible to this wider audience. I, I totally agree with that. And I, I've been arguing against fail states for years now. I, I don't think every game shouldn't have fail states, but I think there should be games that don't. And I don't think that being a game requires you to have a fail state. I've been thinking a lot lately about Dungeons and Dragons. And I'll tell people why very soon. <laughs> but, because uh, you love D&D, dude. I also love D&D. I also love D&D. That's very true. But I've been thinking a lot about it lately. And... um it's an interesting thing, right? There's nothing more quote unquote hardcore old school gamer than D and D, right? D and D predates video games, and uh, it was the nerdiest of the nerd. It's in this weird golden age right now, where it has become mainstream uh, against all odds, and I love that. But uh, it's an interesting thing because even with its sort of street cred as the nerdiest of the nerd and the hardcore of the hardcore and the you know the number crunchiest of the number crunchy, there is a prov- prevalent wisdom the prevailing wisdom in D&D is the dungeon master is there to facilitate the fun of the players right there are some dms that try to be hard and kill you and do nasty things to you but that is almost universally frowned upon among people that play D&D that's not the point even the the books the official texts say don't be like that you're there to facilitate the fun and make uh, make it as accessible and as entertaining for every kind of person that sits at that table. And 
basically the function of the DM in Dungeons and Dragons is to be the video game, right? People started making role-playing video games because they didn't have a DM because they wanted the computer to do it. And if you, I think that is exactly applies in this situation where it's like, what we want, at least I want video games to facilitate the fun and to open up the hobby to as many people as possible and tell them you don't have to worry about being beat down. Uh, it can be fun sometimes to be beat down. There are plenty of games that are fun because of their challenge. And as Hennig says, those aren't going away and shouldn't, but there should also be this mentality of open arms and trying to create a positive experience from an industry perspective. And I think that, I think that's her thesis statement and I applaud it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. It's, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I do, I, I feel very strongly about the accessibility part of games and, you know, it's very sad to see all these reactions where it's like, you're, you're taking something away from me because that undermines, you know, like she said, that undermines what a game is, right? Like my favorite game of all time, arguably, sometimes, most of the time, <laughs> I would say my game most of the time is Journey. Journey is not oh, a yeah, game. Yeah. That's not a game where it's about, you know, you're going to you're gonna push. It's not a competition. It's not, you know, a difficulty level. You do have setbacks, but that's part of the narrative, right? And, you know, I, I feel like very few people in the industry would say Journey is not a game. You know, right. it's, a, it's a highly celebrated game because it's an experience, as she said. And, you know, it's so what, you know, it, these arguments people have of, you know, you shouldn't change, you know, how a game, you know, the fact that, oh, it's not going to be hard, quote unquote, anymore, you know, that, that undermines so many other games. And also, yeah, like you said, it's like, it will not take away from your experience, but it will give the experience to other people who also deserve to be part of this. You know, right. it's it's not like it, the, the, the word deserve, I guess, is no, but what, like, you know, it's. A game, you know, you don't deserve or not deserve a game. Games are made for everybody and they should be. Of course, there are games where, yeah, it's it's competitive. you got to earn your win. But it's weird that for a lot of people, it seems like you have to earn your right to play games. And, yeah, you know, that's the gatekeeping that is, it's, it's a gatekeeping that is very toxic. And I, I really, I think we need to change it. And I think a lot of people who make games want to change that too. Yeah. I wonder if, if that's part of it is part of it is this idea of uh, it's a cousin maybe of adding multiplayer to uncharted or whatever ruins the game because it's like this finite resource of development or quality. And if you spend time adding multiplayer to this, what I love single player game, then I'm going to get a worse experience of what I like. And it's almost this fear. It's not FOMO, but it's like, I like what I like. I want you to keep making what I like and make those better. And if other, if you start making these other things and they become popular, then what about this thing that I like? And I won't have the thing that I like anymore. So I hate everything else and everything else is bad and you're bad. And I don't like you and stay out of way of my hobby. And it's like, Sony, screw you, Sony, I'm taking my ball and going home. I know Sony that. sucks, Microsoft rules. Uh, I got to protect my console because if I don't, it'll go away. And then I... It's it like a the, negative way instead of trying to include and, and find the joy in things. It's, I like this, I'm going to hold on to it until out over my dead body, yeah. um, which is short-sighted in my opinion. But also, you know, I, I, I never use the term, uh, you know, I beat a game or I beat it. You know, because I I don't think of it that way. I don't think the game is attempting to win. 
<laughs> you know? And I don't think I'm attempting to beat the game. Like the game and I aren't in a in a uh, uh, a match against one another. The game the game designers want me to see their content and I want to see their content. So I hope I finish the game, but I, the game I didn't conquer it. Like it didn't it wasn't standing in my way, <laughs> right? Uh so I just think that mentality which permeates even in the most fundamental language we use to describe games where people say I beat it. You didn't beat it. It wasn't trying, you weren't huh. in a match against the game. It wasn't trying to prevent you from getting to the end. Uh, I just, uh, I, I think sometimes I, it is, I understand the point. I do use that term and I think some games are, um, and like, yes, they, you know, hopefully you see the end, but it's not, they're not trying to hold, it's, it's different types of games, right? And that's what I love about the hobbies that there can be everything. I think some levels of Mario maker, for example, they are, try, it's like, yeah, I beat it cause I had to beat it to submit it, to get it out there. But I don't think you can. It's kind of like playing horse. Well, but that and is think- a very edge case. I would agree that there are people who make Mario Maker levels trying to prevent you from. Yes, well, I, but that is I, the one example in the entire universe of games. No, I think there are other games that are built around that same method methodology, where it's like Celeste has an easy mode in it, but it's the core gameplay is it's supposed to be a challenge. Would, You're supposed to butt your head up against it over and over I, and over again. I would predict that if you talk to any member of the team of Celeste, none of them thinks of them as trying to prevent you from getting past a level. None of them. And there's no, there's no beating their design. They they put their design there to ha- give you a challenge and, and make you have fun, but you didn't have to, it's not like you're going up head to head against a competitor. I don't know. It's a, it's a semantic argument. And it is, yeah, the, it, but that's, it, I think it's, part of a mentality that I, you know, that we're kind of talking about. Yeah. It's, it's funny though. Cause I feel like, yeah, a lot of people think this is going to, you know, destroy their games. Right. But think about, you know, GTA five, if you're, if you're stuck somewhere and then you fail and you fail, there comes a point where it says you can skip, you can skip this part <laughs> right. and you can continue the story. Sometimes I would do that. And sometimes I wouldn't, sometimes I'm like, you know what? I want to master this. I want to beat these people. And then other times I was like, you know what? I want to continue the story. I'm just going to press square and move on. Like that is not something that ruins it for anybody. But for people like me who value story sometimes over um, things that happen, like I value narratives in games highly because, yeah, to me it's, a, it's an experience. So when it's a narrative experience, that is more important to me than having to beat a certain enemy on the hardest mode, Right. A lot of people see it differently. Some people want to beat the game and get their trophies. Other people like me, I want the story and I want the full story. And so for me, sometimes in GTA, I was like, you know what? I've sat here for so long. This is not working out. um, It's 2 a.m. You know what? I want to continue the story. I want to hear what happens next. I'm going to press square. And a lot of people would say, oh, you know, that doesn't make you a gamer or, you know, you're, you're cheating the game. I'm not because I'm getting the story that the writers wrote for me. You know, it's, it's, right. I'm still getting the experience. It was just this one part. And, and yeah, it, that didn't ruin it for anybody. You could choose to just not press square. Just Yeah. And who's it. to say, you know, who's to say what's the right and wrong kind of fun. You know, it's not for anyone else to say what your fun is. All right. Uh, moving on. Those are two fascinating discussions uh, for sure. And I'm glad we had them, but I think you guys are kind of burying the lead here, uh, which is uh, Star Wars. We got uh, in my story of the week is uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was officially finally revealed at Star Wars Celebration this weekend. Uh, this is the game that I have already predicted 
will be my story, my, my game of the year. So I hope it's great. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I'm rooting for it. I really want it to be spectacular. Uh, I am, I am in, in respawn. I trust, man. I, I think those guys are just fantastic developers and uh, nothing that I saw in the trailer that they showed at Star Wars Celebration makes me doubt it. In fact, I'm even more excited now. No gameplay in the trailer. If you've seen it, you know, uh, but a lot of cool story beats. Uh, the idea is you play uh, a character named Cal, who is training to be a Jedi. This takes place after the famed Order 66 came down and all the Jedi started being wiped out. And um, they call it a melee action game, which is the thing that makes me so excited uh, about the information that we got about Fallen Order because that indicates to me you're not going to have a blaster. It's not going to be a shooter. Uh, that it's going to be a melee combat game. All of the combat that was rendered in the cutscenes that were that made up the trailer they showed, which it should be noted, they said is all in in engine, which is very excited, exciting. Uh, cause it looked and great. what engine is that? Unreal. 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 Not frostbite. Unreal. Not frostbite. Yeah. Uh, but uh, all of the combat in those cutscenes, he didn't have a blaster. There was no shooting uh, other than at him. <laughs> uh, and it was uh, it was all hand to hand stuff. Even without a lightsaber, he gets a lightsaber at the end. I'm sure there's going to be lots of lightsabering in the game. But man, what a cool idea to create a game that's all melee combat. Um, I think. I'm very curious to see how Respawn is handling those mechanics, how it's going to play out. Um, lots of cool story stuff. There's a new droid called BD-1. There's a new bad girl named Second Sister, uh, the Inquisitor that's pursuing Cal. Uh, there are new stormtroopers called Purge Troopers that are specifically designed to, tr- to uh, fight the Jedi. Ah, I am super excited about this. Sophia, did you have a chance to see this trailer? It comes out, by the way, the game comes out November 15th, PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One. I did see the trailer. Um, what do you think? I'm not as excited as you. <laughs> I know, it's so terrible. Here's the thing. Also, I got to preface by saying I'm having a little bit of Star Wars fatigue, which, mm. you know, comes naturally. It's I, a bad I mean, weekend for that. <laughs> I know, I know. Here's the thing. I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars a lot. I have. I'm drinking out of a kylo ren cup right now as we speak um but yeah i'm feeling a little fatigued but i mean it's just you know uh i'm taking i think i'm um it might not be fatigue more like i'm not like i'm lowering my expectations so i will be pleasantly surprised right okay so i'm not gonna be oh my god this is the greatest because that's you know that's that's not been a good experience for me in the past sometimes you know it doesn't doesn't work out but, so what would it take for this game to exceed your expectations? What, based on what you saw, is it just a great story? Is it what, – what would it take? Well, that's the thing. Like I, I, I felt so sad that we didn't get to see gameplay because that is what I feel gives me an impression of what a game will be. I love cinematic trailers. I think cinematic trailers are a great way to show the essence of your game. But I feel like it should be accompanied by – gameplay and so right now well, this, is the, this is the modern game reveal blueprint right the yeah. first one is the is the story uh cutscene trailer the second one is the gameplay trailer and then you get the like dev you know it's basically the very it's a very predictable roadmap and so your first reveal almost never gets uh, gameplay anymore yeah. although that's sometimes change yeah and i mean it's like you said action melee sounds great i am a hundred percent on board 
it's going to be a very good change. And, you know, yeah, I'm excited. Because, I mean, all I want to do is punch and use a lightsaber. Like, I, I, that's what I want to do when I think about Star Wars. Like, the Star Wars, um, the VR game. Uh, I forgot what it's called. Um, which, which one? The uh, the one they just announced? No, or the one no, that they showed? The one they already made. Like, the one where you have the lightsaber. It's the very basic one. Oh, uh, the, the one on Tatooine? Yeah, it might be, yeah. Where you're just defending yourself against the stormtroopers for yes, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly that one. Like that's like that's you know, it's it's playing with a lightsaber, and that's what I want with yeah. this one too. I I don't need anything else. I just need a lightsaber. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the story, but yeah, I still I still feel like I don't know what this game will be. If that well, sense. yeah, I agree with you, Christian. Um, I'm very very glad this isn't just a reskinned Titanfall. You know, that this isn't just run around, blast things with a blaster, run on walls. Although we did see him run on walls in the story trailer. Yeah. So I think there's going to be some wall running. Uh, Christian, what do you think, man? Are you, uh, whose side are you on? Uh, uh, slow and steady wins the race with Sophia <laughs> or uh, jump off a cliff in excitement with me? I'm on no one's side. Um, I, I think Respawn has proven to be an incredible developer. I think I'm so curious about the behind the scenes decision of, why they got to use Unreal or if they picked it or kind of that discussion versus the, it seemed to be EA mandate of everything was, you know, frostbite or die um, mentality that that company's had for so long now. Um, and I think to me, I love Star Wars. I, I'm not overly saturated with it yet. I'm excited for episode nine. I'm excited for Disney plus and all the the plethora of Star Wars content coming out in the new books and the, the new team on the comic book. It sounds exciting um, to me. I, I think, Cal, uh, this feels like a story we've seen and, and heard, and I hope I'm wrong, but Cal seems like the a Luke or the guy from... You mean who, Star, Star Wars stories have the same template over and over? Is that what you're trying to say, Christian? Yes. What? And even, even, what was the one last gen that was like fine, but not great, but you were like Darth Vader's Sith yeah, apprentice? The, uh, yeah. Whatever God, that was, was that called. called? Yeah, um, the dark apprentice. Yeah, and like I kind of under, I, like that took an interesting twist because, but it's like here's a young white dude who's doing something who can't Unleashed, do the thing. Star Wars Unleashed. Star Wars Unleashed, yeah, and then I, yeah. taps into his potential and does the thing. And and with the new trilogy, it's uh you know they changed it so it's it's a a girl that couldn't do a thing and does the thing and I was doing the thing. And I like Star Wars, but they feel. And, and I, I, it's weird because I agree with Sophia where it's like Star Wars to me is I want to have the lightsaber and do the stuff. But then I'm like, well, is it boxing itself in because it's that over and over and over and over and over again? And it's these weird stories that kind of exist within themselves and they keep telling like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. You, you know the big arc. But while that was happening, Order 66. But I mean, they all die. But maybe this one didn't. Let's hear this story. And I'm like, I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter what this person does doesn't matter <laughs> it's like this weird and I, I what i want what i'm excited for personally this is less about this game and more about star wars i'm very excited about what ryan's supposed new trilogy is i want someone to blow up this world in a yes. way that is not that over and over and over again so while i love action combat i loved god of war i'm sure this game is going to be incredible to me it feels like it's going to the way I feel about it right now is, of course, of course, this is the game, of course. And I don't know what I was expecting, but that's so I guess I am. I'm kind of right between the two of you. I love Star Wars, but also 
Yeah, it's Star Wars. <laughs> you're not going to make a Star Wars video game where it's like, okay, this takes place not doing any of the stuff you know from Star Wars. We're inventing all new stuff. It's a Star Wars game, but it's completely new. And we're blowing out the universe. No I mean, Shadow of the that. Empire kind of was that. Uh, I mean, okay. But I think I – think KOTOR was kind of that. Everybody wants to – the idea that they're making a melee action game where I get a lightsaber, I mean, come win. I, I'm, I, this is what I want. And yeah, give me the freaking basically let me be Luke but not Luke. I'm fine. <laughs> it's a video game. I'm not – you know, come on. Like I am, I am the I am the, you know, Ryan Johnson Star Wars fan of the fan. Me too. I think what he did was so refreshing. It made me like Star Wars again. Basically, best one, yeah, best Star Wars movie. Uh, yeah, it was, I don't care. Let the haters come. No, best one. Yeah. Now we're on the same. We're on the same page. We're, we're understanding yeah. each other because it did like change it. stuff. You can you can still be in the same universe of something, and but do a complete revamp. It's sort of like God of War. It's like well, you can still have the same elements, but let's just flip it and start like not start fresh, but do something new. We got to We got to you know revamp it. And yeah, I think too. Like okay. I love Cameron Monaghan. The actor is going to be in this. But yeah, Cal looks very, you know, it's it's a white dude who's a Jedi. It's, we've kind of seen it before. Not, not but yet. Does he I, hate sand? We don't know how he feels about sand yet. Oh, that is true. That is true. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's yeah, it, it just feels, I'm worried it's going to be, you know, part of why I might feel a little fatigued because it's the same, right? Uh, Ryan Johnson sparked something again that made me happy and and love Star Wars again. Same with Kylo Ren as a villain who has any emotions, you know, he feels something that made me, you know, spark a love for Star Wars villains again. So I'm just feels, he feels the liquid in your cup right now, right? He's he's feeling Kylo Ren is like one of my favorite villains ever because he has some form of humanity in him. There's still something he's fighting against. It's not just, hello, I am evil. I am so... Sophia loves the bad boys. I can tell. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. No, uh, it's just, yeah, I, I, I'm worried this game will be too safe. And, mm, interesting. That's and, an interesting way of know, putting it. It's, what is sad is, you know, Star Wars has, as we all know, a certain part of the fan base that is very, um, how should I put this, uh, toxic? Uh and I'm worried that we're playing into a lot of their demands, right? Mm. People who, like I saw when Ryan posted about the new trailer and he said, wow, this mo-, like he's excited about the new movie. And the, the first comment underneath is like, yeah, it's going to be good because it's not, it's not you, you didn't make it. And it's like, oh my God, like, why can't you just let this be a movie? And then let's just move on. You know, it's, it's, and I'm worried that this game, maybe even the movie too, is going to, you know, just just lower itself to, um, okay, so we're not going to go too, we're not going to push it too far because, I, story, yeah. but I mean, here's the thing. I also trust Respawn, but I am worried that the story of it is playing it safe because we don't want, you know, the people who have done a lot of bad stuff. We don't, we don't want them to be, you know, angry because we quote unquote ruin their franchise kind of what's happened with ghostbusters too like okay we're gonna make a male one now because you guys didn't like the female one i i hate that sort of mentality of okay we're gonna instead of being we're gonna change stuff like your thing is still there 
We're not erasing. Yeah, exactly. Things. We're not erasing. Exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what Hennig was referring to. Exactly the same thing for sure. It's, yeah. it's still there. You know, it's like we could have both things can live. And so, yeah, I hope that Fallen Order will give us something new, not just mechanically, but also story-wise. But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to just not hype myself up. I'm going to be totally at the bottom and hopefully I'll be surprised. <laughs> Probably smart. Probably smart. Uh, I, I, I feel I, like. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say I don't know how to do that, but go ahead, Christian. I feel like the 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 things I'm more interested in about this game, and and also I reserve the fact to call it my game of the year because I mean it is doing the Star Wars thing. So like also, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but I I I'm fascinated by the business side of it, where it's like everything they've come out and said seems to be like yeah yeah yeah, but also we hate EA. Also, it just seems really. We like the antithesis, I mean, like her logo has EA in it, but it's like this is single player story based game, no microtransactions, frostbite sucks. Who wants to party? Like that seems <laughs> that, like yeah. Kudos to Respawn for having that autonomy to be able to to do that. I, I think that's you know that's a big part of their announcement that we didn't, we haven't even talked to that, to this point. You're right. It's there's no uh, no microtransactions, no multiplayer. It is a single player story based game. No loot boxes, none of that stuff. So it's, yeah, it's very, very much the anti EA game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That very stuff cool. has me very excited. Me too. Me too. I think it's, it's going to be great. I, yeah, I just, narrative story games are my jam. And I, yeah, I just, I hope, I just, oh, please just do something different. Just dare, just, you know, in this universe. I just, oh, I don't know. I think it's a good hope. I think it's a good hope. Yeah. But it's, it's not a the new hope. hope. It's a new hope. It's <laughs> a new hope. <laughs> 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 Um, not the only, not the only, I have to just quickly mention is not the only, uh, uh, video game that was talked about at celebration. We got more info and a new trailer for the VR series that's coming from, uh, ILM X lab, uh, and Oculus, uh, written by David Goyer. I'm very, 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 very excited about this coming to Oculus Quest also, which I think yes. is the first time they confirmed that. I believe that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, talk about wielding a lightsaber. You're going to pick one up and swing it around. As, as you said, Sophia, we already kind of had a taste of that in VR, but this is going to be a full episodic storyline. Uh, I'm I love the trailer, so I'm super excited. Yeah. All right. Uh, boy, lots to talk about still. Uh, I do need to thank. Our sponsor, which is Quip. Okay. I haven't had a chance to talk about Quip uh, since I got mine. And I'm so excited to talk about this. It occurs to me, and as I get older, I realize this. uh, You know, we know about technology advancing in the world. Faster computers, cooler things. I have a phone that can talk to the internet. It's amazing. But you don't, one of the things that you don't really think about is how technology advances on every level. Like scissors are different than they were when I was a kid, right? People are inventing new ways to do everything. And so I have realized that I've been stuck in the 20th century with my toothbrush for way too long. And there's a 21st century toothbrush, people. It's called Quip. Quip, I just got mine. It is really, really cool. First of all, it's an electric toothbrush and I spent way too long in my life not having an electric tooth, but doing all the manual labor, my dumb self. Now you have these sensitive sonic vibrations. So this is not just an electric toothbrush. This is like a gentle, perfect, (laughs) soothing kind of thing on your gums. And it's quiet. That's the thing that's so red. If you're like me and you tend to stay up later than your wife, and then you want to brush your teeth at night and you want to go in and use the electric toothbrush and it goes, and she wakes her up. With with a quip, it's like, 
It's, you can't even hear it. I, I can't even do the sound effect because you can't even hear it. It's, it's great. Uh, and dentists say that people often are too hard on their gums with their toothbrushes. This is soothing sonic vibrations. Even better than that, it has a built-in timer when you turn it on that will go for two minutes. So you know the proper length you're supposed to brush your teeth. Almost everybody brushes their teeth too short because you get impatient. You want to go. Quip tells you by pulsing. And the coolest part is it pulses every 30 seconds for two minutes. So if you're like me and you're compulsive and weird, uh, you'll do what I do, which is I broke off quadrants of my mouth into 30 second increments. So for this 30 seconds, I do this quadrant of my mouth and then it pulses and I go, oh, it's time to switch to the next quadrant. I mean, you can do it however you want, but the cool part is you get a status update. So you're just like, is it two minutes yet? No, you've had four 30 second things and then it turns itself off after two minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, it, uh, it's got a, a cool case that you can stick on your, your mirror. And uh, I find that cool. It, it, it takes itself off the, the counter. Uh, brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. This thing, I'm digging it, you guys. Seriously, I'm so excited. Uh, check it out. So backed by over 20,000 dentist professionals, and it starts at just 25 bucks. If you go to getquip.com slash DLC right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash DLC. Try this out. I think you're going to be amazed at where we've come technologically with the toothbrush. Time to talk about the games that we have been playing. And Sophia. Yes. You just, what, what have you been playing? What's been taking up your gaming hours these days? Gaming hours. So uh, I play a lot of Overwatch. I play it every week. Love my Overwatch. So been doing that. I've played a lot of The Sims lately just because, mm. yeah, my life's pretty stressful. And sometimes it's nice to just sit down and build a house. And look and turn around and look at my apartment and think, wow, it could have been so much better. If only <laughs> I had the time and resources. Also, uh, recently I replayed God of War. So that was all the way through. All the way through. I sat for two days straight and it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, let's let's step through those. But I want to start with God of War because I'm so curious. You you when you replayed it, did this was this the first time you replayed it? Yeah. Did you do it? differently did you do it on a different difficulty level did you try new things what was a second trip through niffle heifer furfin flavin like for you uh well funny since we talked about um you know different uh difficulty modes earlier i actually Mm -hmm. went for the easier one because i wanted to just focus on the story this time and so yeah i decided i'm just you know i just want to just focus on the story uh and you know, while the first time, you know, and I, I kind of switched back and forth, though, between like which one I wanted to play. But I ended up just most of it doing it in easy mode because I wanted, well, it's like, quote unquote, easy mode, right? It's not really, it's not, you know, I hate the word easy and hard mode and, you know, whatever, normal mode. It's the mode where I want to just focus on the story. And yeah, I died a few times, but, you know, it's easier to get back up again. Because, yeah. And so it was just, I mean, it's an incredible story. It's just master storytelling and so it was just so interesting to see how they um sort of 
put the little hints at, at what would happen ahead of time. You just like strew it around. And it, so I, I did focus more on listening to conversations and mm-hmm. just looking at, you know, the hints of what was to come now that I know what, what happens. Right. Uh, so it was more appreciating the, the story, the writing, the design more than I'm going to have an action filled fun adventure. If that makes sense. That is really cool. I, and I, I wish I had the time to, to go and replay games. I almost never do because there's always something new to be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, you know, that I think that game is a masterpiece. It's one of my favorite games of all time was our cumulative collective game of the year. Uh, the year it came out and, and I think it is certainly worth it. The writing is incredible. And I think that you're, you're right. I'm sure there would be things that I would catch and get uh, on a second playthrough that I didn't get the first time because I was just kind of waiting to see what would happen and trying to guess now knowing where it's headed, I think things would stick out in a really interesting way. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sims is a game that I played many, many years ago uh, with my girlfriend at the time. She was super into it. We used to play it together. And uh, I just, it, it's crazy to me that that game endures a, as it does and, and that they haven't, they still come out with new, like, content packs and stuff for it, but there hasn't been a big revision to the Sims in a long time. Is that something you'd want to see as an, as a brand new version of the Sims? Um, well, here, well, here's the thing. They kind of played around with it. So in there, the, there are like in stranger will, for example, there is a kind of a narrative you're following. So you're actually mm-hmm. doing something that's part of a story. So you're not just building houses. Um, that said, I am the type of person who just likes to build houses. That is kind of my jam. And so, you know, I, I spent so much time creating the character and then I spent even longer time building the house and I play for like five minutes. So <laughs> I'm not the right person to ask about that because I'm just kind of like, I look at an expansion pack and the first thing I do is, what does the furniture look like? It's an interior design game as far as you're concerned. It's a, just a, yeah. a, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> it is, the, I'm, I have, I am very tired. I had a stressful day. I just want to relax game. And do you just is, use like infinite money and just get all the stuff and then make the most beautiful home? Oh, That's what my girlfriend used to do too. Of yeah. course. I'm not going to. It's sometimes I've tried the whole, you know, work your way up, but you know what? I don't got time. I'm replaying God of War. You know, you don't have time for that. Right. And so <laughs> I had to be like, you know, I, I, I'd have to just put in mother load, you know, over and over again, get my millions. And then, but yeah, I mean, they have incorporated more stuff in the new expansions that are, building it slowly but surely uh, into something that has more of a story. Like you have the expansion where you go to, we actually go to the work you have instead of just, Oh, here comes the car and then see you later. You know, so they are doing small things slowly but surely. But I do think that, you know, if they at one point created like a full narrative, would it be the Sims question mark? You know, like wouldn't it, would it, would it not ruin part of it? And, you know, I do think a lot of people play it a lot just, you know, to build. Because people build the most incredible houses, so you know. I know it's insane when if you look online and see what people have done, it's it's incredible. But you wouldn't want just like a, a an update of that engine and maybe a, a you know. Oh, it's I got to be it's got to be ten years old now, right? Sims three, Sims four, whatever we're on. Well, now we're on Sims four. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's very old, and I think I think we're 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 starting to approach. So let's let's do a Sims five. You know, like I think we're in the territory now where where things need to change. But I mean, yeah, I think. I mean, I'm not speaking on behalf of 2014 all. it came out. Yeah. Sims 4 came out 2014. So only five years, but still that's, yeah. 
it's pretty long for a, a storied franchise like this to go without a major revision. I wonder if I wonder if they're working on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's on the edge of like, okay, we need a new one now. But I mean, I you know, that being said, it's funny though because you know some of the mods you can put into it, like they've made it really easy. There's actually a folder when you download The Sims that says mods. You just put everything in there. Some of the mods people make make it make the game look better. So if that's what you want, like literally just go and download it. I don't do it personally. I have no problem with how it looks. Sure, sometimes you think about it and it's like, yeah, that looks kind of, you know, old these days. But I think, you know, the point of The Sims is not necessarily, you know, in the details of how it looks. It's more of how it feels. Just you're designing somebody's life, right? But yeah, I I do think this is the time when they should probably consider, and they probably are considering already just doing the the new version of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm old school enough that I, that's what I would want is a new version, but I guess uh, in, we're in the age of just, you know, update the thing that's already out and it's a living product and keep it moving forward. So maybe that's what they're doing. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Very cool. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist, my friend? I've been playing a lot more with my Mega SG, which is my analog Genesis. Um, and my latest addition to that that I picked up was a Mega EverDrive X7, which is a flash cart. So you, I, if you've been listening to this, you know I've been completing you know, my personal Genesis collection and going on eBay and some uh, other retro shops and picking up games. Um, you've seen some of them in person as they come in. <laughs> I have, I have indeed. Um, and so what I've done now with the EverDrive, and there's a couple of different ones, um the x7 is the most expensive i think and it has a couple of features that i like over the x5 or the x3 i think the x5 is probably enough for most people but it's a flash card it looks like a genesis card you load uh the x7 it's a mini sd into it and then you put it into you know your genesis or in my case the mega sg um so i've been dumping my rom so I've I've taken retro gaming and added a nice layer of modern gaming convenience to it so before, if you remember, or if you're old enough to remember, you're playing a game on your Genesis or Super Nintendo, and then you want to change games, you got to walk over to your console, turn it off, pull the thing out, put the new game in, then sit back down and start playing. It wasn't that long of a walk back in the day because TVs were smaller and our controllers were uh, tethered to our console. Um, but now I have my nice 8 bit wireless Genesis controller. I'm sitting far back, big TV, blah, blah, blah. Um, so what dumping my the, the games, all the Genesis games that I bought, also, gray area, legal, legal, blah, blah, legal, 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 blah, blah. But you can come over and look at my games if you want to see them. Uh, um, actually, I'm, no, not a blanket invitation. Jeff, you can come over. <laughs> no, I think everybody has just been invited. You can okay, just no take backsies. Yep. No take backsies. Legal, 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 blah, blah, blah. No take backsies. That's right. I took my hand off the piece. You're right. You caught me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not the little brother. I got to play by the rules. Um what I've done with the EverDrive X7 now is I've loaded the ROMs onto it and it has a sub menu where it's start and down and it pulls up the menu of games. So if I'm playing Aladdin and I'm like, okay, that was fun. Uh, I'm going to jump over and play some Hyperstone Heist now. No more getting up, walking over, getting that cart, putting it in. It's a nice sub menu, bounce over to the new game, play the new game. So it's much like how we play games today. You know, we have them downloaded onto our system and we're able to play a little bit of this game, a little bit of that game. Um, and that experience alone has dramatically increased the amount of time that I'm playing my Mega SG, where I can just sit down, get my nostalgia trip on for a little bit, run through my favorite levels of you know Sonic 3 or whatever I'm doing. And then because I'm there and it's so easy to switch over to 
um, Toe Jam and Earl or whatever it is, I find myself just playing more and more and more of these games and having that that nostalgia trip. It also includes save states, which is great. And I was on the fence about picking one up. I was aware of EverDrive for a while, but my thought was like, well, if I'm spending this money to get an, you know, an analog Mega SG Genesis, why do I want to just play ROMs off it? Won't that be closer to, you hear, you know, emulators aren't the real deal. I wanted to have the real deal. I have this real deal console. I'm playing the real deal cartridges. And then people smarter than me explained like, all that's on those cartridges is a ROM. It's it's just the ROM. And what the, makes emulation not uh, the ideal situation, and even though a lot of emulation is pretty great now, but what makes it not the ideal situation is it's not the actual hardware. So it runs too fast or it doesn't have the same slowdown or you know the flashing or the game was coded specifically to work with how this hardware worked. So if you have your ROMs especially on like a flash cart, playing on actual hardware that is the experience there's no difference in that experience and so once i learned that and accepted it and embraced it into my retro gaming lifestyle um i I love it so much and and what i wanted to talk to you jeff and sophia about uh and i mentioned this to you i think in person jeff was i'm finding myself nostalgic for an era when home versions weren't as good as (laughs) arcade versions and and gaming now that doesn't exist like the version we get is the best version and it's the only version but for so much of my life what i played at home and most of was a close approximation <laughs> not even close that sometimes not sometimes even that close. right yeah. yeah of of the game and sophia i'm curious if you think you know maybe it's these vr experiences like is there any aspect of that in gaming that has changed the experience for games um, in a better or lesser way where it's, this is the thing, it's the only thing, and we're no longer seeing different ports or different style of games. And like, how does that, how has that changed our gaming landscape? I think it just means you're old, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's a large, heavy question. I have to like, think about for a second. Cause see, yeah, here's the thing. I, I, uh, I am a, a young younger person who back in Norway where I'm from, I had no arcade to go to. Like literally I was in, I, I lived in the middle of a forest. So all of my gaming experiences growing up was just from the consoles. Your game was don't get eaten by a bear. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, literally <laughs> I would go for walks with my dog and I'm like, that's a moose. Maybe we should wait for it to pass. It's, it's, it was just God of war in real life. You just, yeah. that, right? it's, like, it's funny cause it's true. Um, so like my experiences was just whatever was at home, but like now I'm, I'm experiencing those things reverse. So I Hmm. love going to places like bar 82 in downtown where they have all the, the cool arcade machines, for example. Mm -hmm. And just like, yeah, playing, uh, like the X-Men game there, you know, all those, that's a real cool experience for me. And so I feel like I missed out because I live in the wrong place. And it, well, that's that's fascinating, though. Objectively Are better now. It's objectively better now. We just have weird nostalgia. Christian is literally saying he has nostalgia for a time when you got a crappy version of something that was better at home. Like you literally long for a time where <laughs> it wasn't as good as you wanted it to be. I think it's interesting. I, yes, and I I, I do. I am admitting it's rose colored glasses, but I think it's fascinating the idea of. 
um, when we got those games, it wasn't, oh, uh, like I was, replay- I was playing Mortal Kombat 2 on Genesis. And like, it doesn't say the character's name. It doesn't even say fatality. Like the thing we know from the game, arguably the most popular version of that game, doesn't say that because of technology limitations but at no point in my in my youth and to be fair i'm not i'm not much older than sophia i don't know how old she is but i'm pretty sure we're the same age um uh i think that has been proven to be false (laughs) by this entire conversation however old you are i'm I'm, I'm like probably a little younger um but in, in in no way was i playing it thinking this version is not as good as the arcade game. And now, and Jeff here, I'll pivot the, the question for you, I think, is now we're in this world of frames per second, HDR, 4K, like every version needs to be the best version. Whereas before, and I think this kind of talks to our conversation before, it was just the game, right? Like that was the conversation. And now, and don't get me wrong, I love games. I love games today, but I think it's really interesting how now it's because we're aware of it or we can be sold the idea and the difference about it, how much of that exists. And I know Sega, Nintendo's like, oh, more colors, like there was that fandom back then. But I think it's really fascinating, this idea of obsessing over that stuff that that didn't exist before, perhaps because of technological limitations. I think this this is where you and I are different because I did not like that then. I, I was, that was just a series of disappointments for me. You know, I wanted Turtles in Time to look like that arcade machine that I plunked a bunch of quarters in and it doesn't at huh. all. And I, you know, I remember I was reviewing video games back then before Sophia was probably born uh, and writing this glowing 10 out of 10 review for Street Fighter 2 on the SNES because it was near arcade perfect. Uh, that's what I wanted, man. And and I'm still that guy, right? I'm the guy that will buy the better video card because I it could look better. If it it could look better than well, I gotta get the thing woman that'll make it look better. I I know it's just it's gross and it's first world problems, but is there a seat in the movie theater that I could that is better than the one I have? I want I that's I will get there three hours early to sit in that seat. <laughs> I will, you know, I will kill myself to have I, I will not watch the trailer because it may be a better situation to not know what's coming. I, that is my modus operandi. That's my raison d'etre. That's the that, that's what gets me up in the morning is having the best possible experience with those kinds of things. And so I have no, no none of that shared uh, fondness for going <laughs> – Oh, wow. Yeah, this is crappy, but man, it was close. <laughs> it got close to the arcade. No, I wanted, I wanted the arcade. I wanted the arcade. I wanted, I, I, I was disappointed when things were janky and different and didn't look as good as what I remember plunking my quarters into. So yeah. I'm glad we're at a place now, you know, and, and the, the more recent version of that is not still a long time ago, but less long ago than what we're talking about, which is, you know, what's better the xbox port or the playstation port what's better the you know which one is and i we've even just left that in the past right it's all of these engines now unreal and unity and all of these engines that are just basically running the exact same code on both systems and the only thing that does anything any different are the first party 
games that are built in house and you know d- use weird aspects of the hardware well you'll but still for- see some of it where it's like digital foundry whom i love they'll do like oh the xbox one version of red dead they'll do it on like xbox one xbox one x playstation 4 playstation 4 pro and it's like right the frame rate so the whatever, marginal whatever. it is so so insignificant compared to how it used to be yeah. where you would you know it'd be huge it, a different team would have done you know each port because it takes so much work to figure out a you know the specifics of of a specific hardware skew uh it's we just left that in the dust and i i'm happy about that i mean i I still like playing the pc version because i can crank the settings up beyond even what the xbox one x will do or something like that but for the most part we've just sort of left all that in the past and i'm fine with it yeah it's i mean i i you you kind of like briefly went into when you talked about like getting into the the cinema and like getting the best seat. Like for me, I kind of like the fact that when I go to the movies, it's going to be different than when I watch it at home. It's kind of the whole, like, I know it's going to be better there than when I watch the movie in my house. Cause I, I, I can't afford a big, you know, the big monitors and the, the sound system. I have a normal television. Like we had back in the day. It's just a television. <laughs> it's nothing fancy about it. It's just there doing its job. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it feels cool. Like it makes it an experience to actually go and experience it in the cinema. Whilst, you know, whenever I watch, I watched um, the latest Chris Nolan movie on my TV. What was that called? Dunkirk? Oh, no. That was uh, like. Dunkirk is, yes. Oh, no. That makes me so sad. Dunkirk needs to be watched in an IMAX theater, you know? Because when I watched it, I was like, what is the hype? This is just fine. Like, I don't under. (laughs) Exactly. I think. Like, experience of it where I was like, you've made my point for me. That's my, this is my point. (laughs) But I mean, and I too. I, I understand what Christian means, though, because it's, yeah, I understand the whole wanting to kind of go back and how it was back then. Like I'm not a person who values quality over um, just like what, what the game is or what the movie is or what, whatever it is. Like, yeah, I can, I can play like I've had joyful experiences on my game boy with, you know, where it just looks terrible. And some of those games I keep thinking, I don't want to change. I, I like this the way it is. I don't know if I would like it as much. Who knows? That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And so, but I do think, yeah, I mean, we are in an age where everything has to be the best and look the best. And even though the lines between what kind of like hardware, for example, will provide the best, there is still this, you know, um, driving force to make everything as good as possible. And, you know, maybe we, I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. I wish I, I wish I grew up next to an arcade. <laughs> I think that's the, the, the final point. I would also just like to point out: I too just have a normal eighty-inch television, just a, a normal four K HDR <laughs> eighty-inch with uh, Sonos surround. Uh, I would just my bow on it would just be: I really love, I still love my Mega SG and the EverDrive. If you also have been aware of one, but haven't pulled the trigger thinking about it, I love it, and I love the convenience factor that it adds to my old games. So, uh, highly recommend. I think you. Christian, I think what we're watching, and you keep denying it, but I think what we're watching is you slowly being pulled back through the sands of time and just oh, I would love a treating Persia, from, yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, my playlist. Uh, I I put off for too long talking about Operencia, the Stolen Sun. We had 
uh, Chris on, I don't know, three, two, three weeks ago, uh, who, you know, helped develop the game. Uh, and, uh, at that time I had just gotten it, started playing it. And I said, I'd talk about it next week. Several weeks have passed, but boy, that game is excellent. I truly adore it. Um, obviously, you know, feel good about him being on the show, but that's not impacting my uh, opinion of the game, which is if you like talking about kind of old school games, this is got an old school sensibility, but done with modern capabilities, modern, uh, a modern take on something old school. The role-playing games that I grew up on, the, the wizardries, the Ultima underworlds of the world, that sort of the Bard's Tale, the sort of first person party based combat, uh, walking on a grid. This, this is a grid based game with just something joyous about that. Uh, I guess, I guess to relate this back to what we were just talking about, my version of that nostalgia is for the pure mechanics of how things used to work. And, but, but I want all those things in a modern context. I wanted somebody to do, uh, that's why I love divinity original sin so much. It's like, it feels like Ultima, but somebody did it with what we can do now. And that's how Operencia, the stolen son is it's somebody doing the Bard's tale like Bard's tale four was, uh, but doing it now. And it's, it's great. It's a, it's a beautiful game. It's well voice acted. It's really beautifully written. Uh, it's based on, I believe, Hungarian myths and legends, which is, I think, a, a, a set of stories that nobody talks about enough. It's really interesting stuff. And I love the combat system, which is all turn-based. I'm a sucker for turn-based stuff. Uh, the turn-based combat in Operencia is great. It's that party-based thing where you get into uh, a combat with a variety of enemies. They show up first, sort of first-person style staring at you, and you step through based on your initiative. Your characters and their characters all attack, and they are in three levels of depth away from you. And all of your attacks, it's not so much like you – you know, have to do ranged attacks if they're in in the back, or you have to do melee attacks if they're in the front. It's that all of your attacks are effective at, at certain distances. But you could you could try to do a, a melee attack to the back guy. It's just almost not going to do anything because he's in the back. It'll be hard. And th- there's these graphs and bars for each of your attacks and the spell abilities that shows you how effective it is based on the line of depth the enemy is away from you. So you're kind of making that uh, making that call, but you can cer- certainly shoot an arrow at the front guy. You can certainly do things that you might have to do based on what's on cooldown or what you've got, um, what you've got mana for, etc. So it's really an interesting take on that. It's not restrictive. It's more like here's the penalties that will accrue by using things uh, less less um, specialized than they're meant to be, less efficiently. Uh, and there are lots of really cool spell effects and lots of really cool things to do. It's a strategic combat system because you're in, um, you're in, in turns, it's turn-based. So you have to plan things out and you often get yourself in a situation where you use up all your good stuff or your mana goes away. I mean, the the game is very challenging in the sense that you're not going to have an infinite supply of things to do. You're not just able to spam your best spell over and over. You really have to sort of think it through. And I love that. I love the the chess match of it. Um, and there's great puzzles. The game has a lot of puzzles and it really does feel like I'm walking around on that grid. You know, as I said, I've been thinking about Dungeons and Dragons a lot lately, and this game feels old school like that. And it's fun to 
walk around on a grid, but it also allows you to have full range of, of visual um, movement with your mouse. So even though you're standing on one square, you don't have to, you know, push a button to turn your head to 90 degrees. You can swivel your head around in a full 3D rendered video game like you would in any first person shooter. Uh, but to move, you move on this grid. You move one square forward or one square to the right, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so again, sort of has that old school sensibility, but done in a new school way. Uh, I really, really like the game. It's so good. Uh, Operencia, The Stolen Sun, it's also not, you know, not a $60 experience. It's something you can pick up. Uh, and I recommend you do. It's great. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to a listener who suggest, who, uh, submitted a review. If you have a game that you would like to talk about that we haven't mentioned or didn't talk about enough or differently, uh, and you'd like to supplement our coverage with your own, I recommend doing that. I welcome it. Please send us your reviews to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, this one comes from Cologne, Germany, uh, from Lenart, who writes, uh, Hey guys, first off, love the show, and you have the highest priority in my podcast rotation. That said, let me talk about Total War Warhammer 2. I was always interested in the Total War series, but it was very intimidating to get into like all the big strategy games are. Then I realized that there is a co-op mode and a good friend of mine played a ton. So he encouraged me to give it a try and I absolutely love it. My initial fear that I would be overwhelmed vanished quickly. There were quite a few systems that you need to pay attention to, but it's all very manageable and the game does a good job telling you what to do. What I want to highlight is the co-op mode in which you play two different factions of your choice. The awesome part is when someone engages in a battle, you can distribute the forces among yourselves, which makes big battles a bit easier to handle while also making micro intensive units more viable. And it really gives you a feeling of coordinating a battle together. When someone decimates the enemy lines with archers and casts firestorms while the other one is charging into the enemy archers with cavalry, it just clicks. The best thing, however, is when you both attack one opponent together so that both armies fight together, humans, shoulder to shoulder with orcs and other fun combinations. Total War Warhammer 2 is a ton of fun and the factions play very differently, forcing you to adapt new strategies. Some downsides are occasional crashes or desync moments that let you lose a bit of progress and force you to restart the game, as well as minor things like shared vision that's not so shared when inspecting enemy armies. A big minus is also that the DLC policy of Creative Assembly, which is giving you the feeling that they're mil milking every cent of their customers. But I had so much fun, and the D DLCs are also mostly very good. Balancing this out a bit. If you are interested in the Warhammer franchise or strategy games like this, I highly recommend giving this a chance. Very cool. Thanks, Leonard, for your review of Total War Warhammer 2. Uh, cool. Let's, uh, I gotta, I gotta talk a little VR. So let's do that. So the first thing I have to say in the VR segment is that Vacation Simulator came out this week and I'm in it. <laughs> so uh download that check it out um if you liked job simulator uh even if you didn't uh get vacation simulator i don't get anything extra if you but i'd like you to check it out and it's really really cool man i'm i'm i was geeking out on the fact that right in the beginning of the game you walk out a little robot comes up to you and it's me talking to you uh efficiency bot it's pretty rad um vacation simulator is great it's 
you know, there's too few games that use humor. Vacation Simulator and Job Simulator before it both used humor really, really effectively. It's so, so smart, so well written, so clever. The idea being these robots have created the perfect vacation and they want you to have it as a human. You're a test subject in this computer simulation, but computers, uh, robots have a very difficult time understanding what humans want out of vacation. So you have to go through this, you know, simulation and create memories and do things and be as efficient as possible and have the best vacation. So there's a lot of jokes about, you know, what you do on vacation and they have, you know, it's like, uh, you build a sand castle on the beach, but the sand castle is a bunch of blocks because robots want everything to be very, you know, neat and organized and compartmentalized. So it's stuff like that. And it, you, you're taking photos and you're, uh, it, all of the little mini games and things you do in it are a delight. And I'm talking to you for half of it, which is great. So I'm very I, proud. I was just listening to an episode of this podcast when I played it. I felt like I got the same, you know, I, mean, I, guess, like, you could, I guess you could put me in any video game that way. If you really <laughs> wanted to. No, that's awesome. Uh, the, your performance is so fun too. Thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, I, uh, I had a blast. I'm so delighted that alchemy came to me for that. And, uh, I hope to do lots more video games in the future. Um, Sophia, I know that you you said you are a huge fan of Beat Saber. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me about your experience with that game. I love Beat Saber. It's such a fun game that I didn't ex- I didn't expect to like as much. I was kind of like, I, I remember I, I came to like some like backyard barbecue some of my friends have. And they are crazy people who have like, they've made their entire garage into basically a VR playroom. Oh, I like them already. It's very cool. So I came in there and I watched them watched this game and I was like, I've heard about the game, never really watched it. And so I sat down and I'm like, is this really fun? And like, my friend was in there for a long time. And then he was like, no, 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 you got to feel it. Like it looks kind of whatever. <laughs> like when you, when you look at it, it's like, okay, you're just punching some blocks, whatever. But then, it's true. You, know, you have to feel it. I have to feel it. And you know, there are lightsabers, which is always fun, but yeah. It's Very like, on brand for this week. Yes. Yes. So I put it on and I started playing and I was like, Oh, I understand now. So, you know, whenever I go to their house, that's kind of what I want to just ask. Like, can we just not watch a movie? Can we just play Beat Saber? But, you know, I don't do that. But, yeah, it's a game that I really love. I also, yeah, I'm excited to try a vacation simulator. I love Job Simulator. Such a, So good, right? Yeah, so good. So fun. You know, I like the, I like the fun, more chill uh, VR games, maybe more so. Um, the thing I have to be careful about, even though I'm not photosensitive, I do have epilepsy. So, you know, that's something I always think about whenever I play VR games, which, you know, is something most people should think about, right? Like Beat Saber, I know added static lights, which makes it more epileptic friendly, which I think is great because it's such a small little tweak. Again, we're talking about accessibility, right? And while everybody should be careful with VR, not staying in it too long because anybody can have a bad experience with it if they're not careful. You know, I think it's important to highlight, you know, the fact that you don't need white strobe lights in everything, right? It's like, a, you know, I, rem- I just, yeah, as, a, as an epileptic, even though epilepsy does not affect my daily life at all, knock on wood, I've, I've been very fortunate like that, you know, it, it, you know, looking into other people who have it and, and how, you know, some things are unaccessible to them when it should be, it makes me very sad. You know, it's kind of when, you know, The Incredibles 2 came out. And then suddenly there were white strobe lights. And I'm like, why did you put that in a children's movie? It's it's amazing in that movie in particular because it's so intense. I, I can't imagine somebody at Disney didn't go, um, mm-hmm. 
uh, I think this could be a problem. Yeah, yeah, I watched a, I watched a part of it, and I was just like, "What? Why? It's not necessary. Why do you have it there? Like, wasn't it somebody who was like, you know, maybe we don't need it to be white flashing lights. Maybe we could tone it down. Like, it, it's so sad when these things are added unnecessarily. Like, it would not take anything away from the story if they just changed that up, you know." Uh, but yeah, so when it comes to VR games, you know, I've, I've played a lot of VR games and for me, it's not an issue, but I do think about people who also have epilepsy and how they are, you know, some people can play them, some people can't, but that's why also I think I, I appreciate when games aren't all about, you know, that you have stuff like job simulator where people get to experience right. something nice. And so, yeah, but I mean, I, yeah, I, I love that Beat Saber did that and I love that games are, are looking into accessibility and being open to it and so but yeah i yeah beat saber is that's my jam and christian how great is it going to be when you know we don't somebody doesn't need to have a the garage <laughs> you just have that oculus quest you, you just take it wherever you are throw it on the old head and play some beat saber you're like hey i got this in my backpack you guys want to try the beat saber you, you can go to them how great will that be I'm available for all review units for Oculus Quest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, same. same. I'm, I'm thinking more about it because uh, I said before when we talked about Quest, and I do think that is a a the next step game changer for VR. And I was like, oh, wait, so you download the games via Wi-Fi. So it's got Wi-Fi in it. There's no reason why I shouldn't be able to play a Stadia VR game on Quest, right? Like the hardware should be able to support that because it has a Wi-Fi chip in it and that's all my phone has or that's all my you know Chromebook has like and it can play Google Project Stream Stadia games. So I'm very curious to see if we see how we see that headset adapt as Stadia comes out and Google has strongly not said <laughs> that well, they have VR plans. Like we're not talking about that right now, like with their teeth clenched the whole time like we have nothing to discuss. I too um, am very excited about that and hope that it it can work. I know that even, you know, latency in yeah. VR is even more of an issue than it is. I, you know, people don't like latency in their video game, their, you know, 2D video games. But in VR, it can be a nausea thing if, if it's yeah. a little, if your head moves yeah. and it doesn't immediately move in the game world. So um, yeah, hopefully we're not th- they can figure that out. Yeah, not there yet. But Stadia in general, like I think when, um, I think it was Zuckerberg, right? When he first confirmed it oh, last year, it was like going to launch with 50 games. And they haven't announced 50 that I know of yet, but the games they have on it are, in my opinion, many of the biggest hitters. I know you you are playing a PSVR game. Actually, am I, is it on PC as well? But no, um, Beat, Beat Saber, uh, Just the, the Vader fact that game. That, that Vader game is coming. I mean, I think that is a system seller. I, I hope it is as good as it looks because I feel like just that idea of putting on an Oculus Quest and reaching out and picking up a lightsaber and wielding it in VR, I think is going to be yeah. one of those things that people immediately like, oh, I get it. I get but, it. But then there's also super hot robo recall. Like it's yeah. stacked so far. So hopefully those hits keep coming because I, I love that idea of like, yeah, here, come into my VR garage. You open the garage. There's nothing in there here. Put on this headset. Now you're playing, you know, like, oh yeah, there's nothing you don't need to, my, to be in there. Come to my VR backyard or my VR front driveway or my, yeah. you know, my <laughs> yeah. VR living room. Yeah. Oh man. We all look yeah. like idiots. Aliens are down and they're like, nope, we're going to turn around. Let's just not, we all, let's not get into this. Look at them. Look at those humans. 
But hey, if, if VR saves us from the aliens, then so be it. I, you know, if, allow me to us, look like a doof. Look at us now all holding our phones a foot from our face all times of the day. We already look stupid. I'm wearing camo shorts and hiking socks. I look <laughs> stupid all the time. I don't care about VR. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. And I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll sacrifice how we look for, you know, the life we're living in another realm. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited too. I'm excited too. But I, I just, yeah, I love seeing people in VR just, just all oh, looking ridiculous. That's you want to stay in the garage is what you're saying. You just keep it in the garage, Sophia. I'm you just, just want to stay in the garage. I'm just worried about people falling down. Honestly, we fall down so much now. I just see people on their phones and I'm like, oh no. The falling down crisis. Falling down it's a crisis. crisis. Yes, exactly. People playing Pokemon Go. Oh my God. <laughs> it's going to be, they're going to, we're going to just, yeah, fall. Think down. of the knees. Think of the knees. Oh um, no. <laughs> I have to say the glaring omission in the VR segment this week that I'm sure everybody was tuning in excitedly to hear me talk about is uh, Labo VR, which also came out. I went to two different stores in my area to to purchase it for you people, really for Christian and for you people, uh, because I knew there was an expectation. I last week admitted I was going to get it. This wasn't a one week expectation, Jeff. I was going to I was going to drop the 80 bucks for you all for you. Uh, and I was, I was fully ready to do that, but neither store, they were all sold out. At least that's what they told me. I don't know. Maybe they didn't get any in, but they told me they were sold out. Uh, so I guess I have to, you know, get online and and get one. So hopefully next week I'll be able to talk about the, the Labo VR, but I apologize that I didn't have it primed and ready for all of you because zelda hasn't hear. even hit yet right that's like next week or the 23rd or something like that i think it's later that. than that i don't think it's until june that it supports uh, zelda or, or mario i think it's like a weird like month later we got yeah. time we got yeah time. um but i did play a game that i love on psvr called falcon age which is a delight um i talked about this a little bit because i played it at gdc but the full game is also excellent. Um, it, the starting area is really cool. You, <laughs> the, the game is, is about something, which is really interesting. It's about colonialism. It really has something to say. It's not just a cool falconry game, although it is also a cool falconry game. Um, but it's, uh, I'm impressed with the fact that it's attempting to, to say something interesting about the, the world um, through science fiction. You're in a sort of a prison in encampment where you have to do manual labor and then you break out because of your cool Falcon. Uh, and, uh, and then you get to be a Falconer and the a sci-fi Falconer with a whip, the like electro whip. I mean, that's rad in VR. Um, so you hold your arm out and your Falcon will land on your arm. You bring your, uh, controller to your mouth to whistle for it, to summon it, to land on your arm. You feed it. You can pet it. You're physically doing all these things. It's amazing. Just that that alone, the fact that I see a rabbit running through the prairie. I tell my falcon to go attack the rabbit. My, talc- my falcon flies up into the sky, does a dive bomb, hits the rabbit, knocks it, kills it. And then I whistle for the, the falcon. It brings me the rabbit meat, which is a, adorably looks like a peep almost. Looks like it's like a little rabbit shape. In the game, it's not gory. It looks like a little cute little rabbit-shaped meat. He lands Give on my arm. A dead redemption, animal mutilation, or get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he lands on my arm. My, my falcon lands on my arm. I reach up, take the rabbit meat out of his mouth, bring it down to my side where my pouch is, 
drop it into my pouch, which brings up my inventory. Now I got rabbit meat in my inventory, which I can then bring over to my little camp that has a blender, put the rabbit meat and some berries that I also had the Falcons fetch for me into a blender, make a cool, delicious treat that'll refill my Falcons health. And I could pluck that out of my little satchel on the, on my side where I physically reach down and grab it, bring it up and hold it to the mouth. He loves eating it, takes it out of my hand. I mean, that alone, that's all you need. That gameplay loop. You don't even need combat. You don't even need exploration. Just let me feed my Falcon and I'll be a happy guy. Uh, but no, the game also has combat exploration, role-playing elements. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Falcon Age. You can also play it outside of VR. It supports just a regular PlayStation controller, but why would you? Why would you? If you can literally hold your arm out in space and have a Falcon land on it, do that. Pretty great. Uh, I, yeah, I love Falcon Age. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We do have our parting gifts coming up. But Sophia Harris, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great talk. Oh, absolutely. Tell people where they can keep up with you and all of your exploits online. Mostly Twitter. Uh, so my Twitter is at it's Sophia H. So not it's Sophia. Sometimes they, my Twitter is it's Sophia H. People say, you know, it's, it's just part of the, you get what I'm saying. At it's Sophia H or SophiaHarris.com is like my, you know, official website. That's basically where I tweet all my stuff if I stream or if I, you know, do some other. I got some projects that I'm doing, but uh, I can't talk about them right now. So mm. I will remain Ooh, the mystery geez. until you go to my Twitter, which would be great because <laughs> I love talking to people on Twitter and making new friends. So, Oh, I love it. Very cool. Christian Spicer, how about you? What do you got going on this week? I was uh, a guest on a new podcast, Andrew Tomlinson's new podcast, Are You Happy? Um, and it was a really cool chat. We did it, um, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, but it came out, I think, this past week. You just and went on and said, not really, and then left? That no, was- actually, I, I I, mean, that might be your episode. Um, <laughs> my episode was, yes, and here's why. Um, but it was, a re- I, I found, I, I went and re- re-listened to it because... I'm a narcissist and that makes me happy. No, I'm just <laughs> I only listen to podcasts I'm on. Um, but I, I did. I re-listened to our conversation when it came out. And I think it's interesting. I, I, I'm still happy with it. Sometimes I do th- something that's not, you know, staying in my lane, uh, just comedy or video games kind of thing. And it was a, it's a very interesting, different side of me that I think a lot of people maybe haven't heard. Uh, on the Department of Parenting podcast I used to do, I kind of would get into stuff like this, but it's about happiness and you know, striking that balance and finding things. So you can find it. Um, I think anywhere podcasts are available. It's called Are You Happy Podcast. Um, I tweeted it out a little while ago, but Andrew Tomlinson's new podcast, Are You Happy? If you listen to it, let me know. And then, you know, let me know what makes you happy because I think that's a, a fun conversation. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. That's what I always say. Yeah. Um, as for me, you can email this show dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I do another podcast called the Slash Filmcast. And uh, oh, I think I'm off this week, actually, on the Slash Filmcast, but that doesn't shouldn't stop you from checking it out because I'm on most weeks. This one is just a weird week for me. I'm prepping something else. So I took the week off the Slash Filmcast. I think they're doing Pet Cemetery, uh, but uh, I'm prepping something else that I want to talk about hmm. that may be D&D related. Hmm. 
that I want to talk about very, very soon. And I'm sure you'll hear it. So follow me on Twitter because I'm super excited. I don't think I've ever worked harder on anything in my life. Than is it a this. Genesis? Is it a Genesis game? It is. It's a Genesis game. Oh, nice. I think I'm going to beat it. <laughs> um so yeah stay tuned for that follow me on twitter to find out details i just can't talk about them yet but my goodness i'm excited i have put in so much work on this thing and i really am really looking forward to it um what else that's it let's uh stall. let's talk about our parting gifts what do you guys say hey give us a suggestion Sophia, do you have a recommendation to help people get through their week? Watch a lot of Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I've gotten through yeah. my past year. Here's the thing. When I saw the teaser for the new one, I cried. I still cry every day almost. Not that's an exaggeration. I cry a lot just thinking about the fact that I will see uh, Godzilla, which I grew up with, um, on the big screen. And so I've watched a lot of Godzilla. You grew up with Godzilla? You're like, in the like woods. Your no arcades. Yes. <laughs> in the world with no arcades, at least we had monsters we had i had yeah. i had godzilla movies and i had the teenage mutant ninja turtles game for my game boy and those were the two things hey. that got me through you know what else do you need yeah, exactly. what else do you need i mean yeah that, that might be a weird parting gift but you know what godzilla no. is a great movie watch the original it has so many meanings you know when the world feels terrible or you feel like oh everything's you know watch a monster destroy it <laughs> I love it. So when you say when you say original, do you mean like Japanese man in suit uh, original, or do you? Nineteen fifty four original black oh, and white. Wow. I know there's a there's an American version of it from like a couple of years after. Don't watch that one. Watch the original. They like they edited a- stuff out to make it seem less you know nuclear warry. They were just like, mm. oh we don't know what you're talking about. Here's this movie. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, oops, we didn't bomb you. This isn't a commentary on us bombing you. Oops. Yeah. Uh, wow. Cool. You're hardcore. That's hardcore Godzilla love. Yeah. I love Godzilla. It's the best. Uh, Christian Spicer, do you have a parting gift? I do. It is a book by Shane Bauer. It's called American Prison. Um, it was a New York Times best of book, like one of their top 10 books of 2018. I just got around to it. Um, I think it should, uh, it's required reading in my opinion. Um, Shane, I, I, gosh, I, my, I'm bad on little details. I think maybe is I, I ran or Iraq. He, he was in prison himself as he was an American tourist and, um, crossed a border, did a thing, whatever, uh, spent two years in prison abroad himself, comes back. Uh, he's a reporter for mother Jones goes undercover working for, uh, as a guard and one of the largest, um, private prison companies in America and the book is about his personal experience there and also juxtaposed with the idea of the prison system in America in general from its earliest inception to where it is today and and profiting off of prisoners and kind of America's addiction to that. My words, um, absolutely phenomenal. Um, like I said, I think it's required reading. It's called American Prison by Shane Bauer. Very, very cool. Uh, we do have a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Kevin, who says, uh, Good day, gents and lady. Mm-hmm. I was listening to DLC in the car uh, with my six-year-old daughter, Isabella. When Andrea, last week, was talking about control, Isabella asked, Do you think that game will be good? 
I paused the episode and said I was interested with it being Remedy. Isabella cut me off and said, okay, dad, put DLC back on. She wasn't being cheeky, but obviously trusts and wants to hear your opinion over her dad's. <laughs> if she is going to listen to someone's opinion on the internet, I love the fact that it's you guys and girls who spread a positive message. Getting girl gamers is a big deal to her, and I like letting her hear it. She loved listening to Andrea, so please pass my thanks on to her. So my parting gift is I want to suggest making a podcast with someone that is important in your life. Isabella wanted to do this after listening to DLC, and we have been spending 10 minutes a week recording a chat. It can be anything from her school to a trip to the park. I love the fact that I will have these little recordings in the years to come for her to listen to and hear a snapshot of her life at that point. I use my phone and a cheap mic because the audio quality isn't all that important since it's just for personal use. How cool is that? She, he said, on another note, I would completely appreciate if you would say happy birthday to Isabella. I think she'd be over the moon. She turned six years old on the 9th of April. So it'll be a little late, but I don't think it'll matter to her. So Aww. happy birthday, Isabella. Happy birthday. I think it's great that you're into games. I think it's great that girls are into games. And I want you to keep on going. There's plenty of room for girls just like you and me. And I, I do think control will be good, but it won't be life altering. It'll be a really great story that you'll be able to watch your dad play some of, but it won't be his top game of the year. I'm worried it's not going to be good with Isabella. Straight talk from Jeff over here. I have uh, happy birthday, but I'm worried control might not be good. Um, there's going to be plenty of really good games, though. And uh, I'm so delighted that you listen with your dad. And I'm so delighted that he... Uh, he listens to the show as well. And now here are a bunch birthday. of questions I want you to ask him. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was a very special email. I appreciate it. A very special parting gift. Uh, and it has inspired me. I'm, I can't wait. When my kid gets a little older, my kids get a little older, uh, I want to do this. I want to have them do a little mini uh, discussion with me that I record. I think it will be delightful. So great, great parting gift. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, Isabella. My parting gift uh, is, I don't think I've mentioned this one yet. Correct me if I'm wrong, Christian, but uh, uh, the new uh, Ricky Gervais show, Afterlife, which is on Netflix, I just loved. Um, it's it's a, a sort of a ray of hope in a dark world uh, in, in the same way that Godzilla is. I think yeah. very similar, actually, because Ricky Gervais is a Godzilla-like figure in it, a, a, a misanthrope. Uh, he is dealing with the loss of his wife. And doesn't think there's any reason to go on living. And the whole show, the the eight episodes, I guess it is, uh, six maybe, six episodes. Yeah, I think it's just six. He uh, he discovers why we should all be here. And it, it spoiler alert, it's to be good to people. And uh, man, what a wonderful message. It it starts off in this place of thinking, you know, the world is crummy and the, the worst people get ahead. Why should I play that game? Why should I not just be awful to everyone. And he learns about goodness and why it is important to be good. And uh, I watched this entire series, six episodes in one sitting, and I was bawling at the end. Big fat tears, man. Those big fat ones that you get. Uh, so I, I, I recommend it. It's funny. Um, Ricky Gervais is not for everybody. He, he can be a little uh, caustic, but I found this series to be beautiful. So I recommend Afterlife on Netflix. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Sophia Harris and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to 
our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making the bumpers that you heard. Thank you to all of you who download and listen to the show. We are grateful and we can't wait to be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.